Hey to all you fish enthusiasts out there. Whether you're an avid angler or just curious about fish, we'd like to welcome you to Fish of the Week. I'm Katrina Liebig with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in Alaska. And I'm Guy Euro, just a general pissophile. It's Monday, January 18th, 2021, and we're excited to talk about all the fish. This week's Fish of the Week is the blackfish. Today we've got a guest. Um, we've got Luke Biker with us. He's a biologist with the Army Corps Engineers in Anchorage, and he knows a little something about blackfish. So we wanted to welcome you, Luke, and we're really excited to talk to you today. Yeah, Katrina, thanks for having me. Okay, so I mean, what the heck is a blackfish? Can you tell us a little bit more about what do they look like? Where do they live? Sure. So they're uh, they're native to interior Alaska, all the way up out to Bristol Bay, and then up into the Arctic. Um, you know, if I were to describe what they look like, it it looks like a, a burbot, or for those of you in the lower 48, kind of like a bowfin or a dogfish, but they're only about 8 to 10 inches long at the most. Big, wide, flattened mouth, kind of a mottled, almost brindle color on the side. It's really hard to describe, but they're one of the neatest looking fish out there. Yeah, so they're a, they're a really neat little fish. They are small and mighty in terms of being able to really survive some unique situations. Yeah, for sure. They really specialize in living in bodies of water where often no other species can survive. They have a modified esophagus that can breathe atmospheric oxygen, not unlike a lung. That's kind of their most notable feature. So they can survive in those kind of seasonal ponds, I'm guessing, up in the tundra, as long as they can kind of get down into the mud and keep their skin moist and gulp that air? That's definitely their niche, you know, um, thriving where nothing else can. When I was doing a project on them, there were some studies I found out of um, Denali National Park where blackfish were surviving in a pond that was even too toxic for insects to survive in by breathing atmospheric oxygen from muskrat holes. Um, So they're really just amazing little survivors. So you mentioned they use those muskrat um, push-ups or holes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how they do that in the winter? Sure. Muskrat push-ups are those little mounds you see out on swamps in the wintertime. And muskrats have a little house in there, not unlike a beaver lodge that they use to get above and below the ice all winter. Um, and the blackfish are able to go into those holes, and the, I guess the motion of their fins helps keep it open. Um, and they're able to gulp atmospheric oxygen out of those holes and keep themselves alive through the winter after the oxygen gets depleted under the ice. So I've heard some stories that these fish can actually um, be frozen and come back to life. Is there is there is there any truth to that? I've um, I've heard those here and there over the years. I read that there was mixed evidence for that, that that was kind of, and again, you guys are both more knowledgeable about this species than I am, but I was reading that uh, uh, there was kind of some stories about that happening, but that yeah. in more scientific trials, they tried yeah. freezing the fish. That's kind of what I had heard too, is that someone had like caught some and yep. then, yeah, it ended up thawing out and coming back to life. I, I think it boils down to just being kind of a myth, because um, there were some studies conducted that showed that um, they they'll die when frozen. However, they're so hardy that they can resuscitate for a while after after being frozen. But no, they, they will eventually die from being frozen solid. There's an actual study that I found that's like ancient and they, they froze different body parts of them like in sequence and then tried to bring them back to life. And no, they, they can't. Like they, they <laughs> die just like everything else. But it was like an incredibly cruel experiment, but it was kind of interesting. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that would pass uh, current IACUC protocols. That wouldn't get approved, <laughs> I don't think. But yeah, I mean, fish do yeah. have, there are some fish that have antifreeze in their blood. I mean, we know that wood frogs can freeze. So, I mean, there's there's probably something to be said for their hardiness. Um, I, I guess what I would say is when you are catching a fish and you're bringing it out and it's really cold out and you're bringing it above the surface, I mean, if you're not planning on keeping it, uh, try not to keep it in the air for very long. And we'll make this point in other episodes too. But um, yeah, get them back in the water because dry cold air not ideal for a lot of species maybe the blackfish can handle it a little bit better but yeah so if if folks are going to fish them in the winter like how how can they take advantage of what we've learned about their biology and kind of that behavior sure um so i i fish them with traps for work for a for a study but um i i've seen a lot of the uh subsistence fishermen out west will basically cut an ice hole it looks like and then put half a funnel trap down into that hole so it fits snugly in that hole and then the blackfish swim up to get the atmospheric oxygen and can't get back out um not unlike a minnow trap a funnel trap set in current um you know the blackfish are just attracted to air yeah and so they'll swim up through that funnel and then they're caught yeah, and for folks that don't know what a minnow trap is, it's kind of like the same thought as a, a crab pot or shrimp pot where they swim in and then they can't find their way out, just given the hole and kind of how the trap is set up. Using traps uh, to catch these fish. Now, is that something that uh, your average fisherman can go out and do? I would call and ask fishing game since they are um, an introduced species on the Kenai and an Anchorage Bowl in the Matsu. So I would call fishing game and ask, um, you know, that that's certainly not a legal way to take, um, you know, sport fish, but yep. it may very well be allowable for blackfish. So is that the only way folks can fish them is through a trap like that? Or can you do some hook and line during the winter under the ice? You know, their diet is mostly small aquatic insects, mollusks, stuff like that. Um, so I would think a, a teardrop jig with a single egg would probably work pretty well. You know, they only get to 10 inches. So, um, you know, you're, you're somewhat limited there, but a lot of the lakes in the Anchorage Bowl, even the stock lakes, um, have them. And so I would think you could definitely get them on small teardrop jigs and stuff. Yeah. And I've caught them in, um, little Campbell Lake and it was just using, I think a little tiny bit of shrimp. Um, and we weren't actually like targeting them, but they were, they were definitely around and yeah, they're just, they're very, they're very cool looking, beautiful little fish. Um, and they, they taste pretty good too. Do they put up a fight at all, Katrina? I mean, they're so small that it's kind of like any mm-hmm. of those smaller stocked fish. You're gonna, I mean, it's it's fun with kids, and if you have a bobber on and some light yep. line um, and a flexible little rod, I mean, yeah, you're gonna. It's it's fun. They're fun fish. Very cool. Now, I got a quick question uh, about while you're ice fishing for them. You know, a lot of times fish, uh, if there's enough oxygen in the water, of course, will be down sort of on the the substrate on the bottom of the lake, and you got to drop down to them. Uh, But it sounds like in some of the habitats that these fish are living in, that the blackfish are living in, uh, it's low oxygen environments and that they might uh, be hanging out towards the surface. So are you going to want to suspend your bait closer to the surface uh, near the top of the water column, or are you going to want to get it down a little bit, or does it just depend on where you're fishing? You know, well, I mean, naturally, they're they're definitely a benthic species and spend a lot of the time almost down in the substrate on the bottom. Um, You know, so they're only coming up if there's an oxygen issue in the lake. And if you're fishing in a lake with trout and salmon, it's probably a good bet there's enough oxygen. So I would would fish on the bottom for sure. 
Um, but Katrina's fished them more than I have with hook and line. So, <laughs> yeah, I would say that's a good a good bet as well. Hey there, everyone. One thing we want you to always keep in mind, regardless of where or what you're fishing for, is safety. Every week we're going to give you a new tip or two that you can use to stay safe while you're angling. Alaskan winters offer numerous opportunities for fishing out on the ice, and it is always fun to go out and try new spots. However, before setting foot on a new lake or river, I would recommend talking to either friends or locals who are familiar with the area. Ice thickness often varies on a given body of water for a number of reasons, including the presence of springs or currents. Lake inlets and outer bends on rivers often have thinner ice in the surrounding water for these reasons. Therefore, it's a good idea for anglers new to any destination to familiarize themselves with local knowledge of the area in order to stay both safe and dry. Are these fish good to eat? If so, how do you cook them? Uh, what do people like to do with them? Um, you know, I know they're a popular subsistence food in other parts of Alaska. I have never eaten one myself. Um, only only trapped them for work. So I got to defer to Katrina on that one. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, they have a white meat um, and they're very small. So basically when I ate them, and I don't know if this is how other folks eat them, but um, I baked them, uh, basically just took the guts out and put them in a pan with some oil and some seasoning and baked them. And it was really odd because they actually kind of curled up when I did that. So I don't know with the muscle fibers if they've got something different some, than some of the other species. But, it, I mean, it was a, a, a white meat and not fishy. Um, so, yeah, I think there'd probably be a couple of different ways to do it. But generally with smaller fish, even like some of the catchable trout or salmon in the Anchorage lakes, I mean, a lot of times you'll just want to kind of cut the head off and take the guts out and bake them whole just because of size. Whereas something like a, a bigger salmon or a pike, you'd actually fillet it and take the fillets off and cook those in different ways. Katrina, so you got a couple kids at home, I know. How many of these fish do you have to actually catch to make a decent meal uh, for the whole family? I think we had, I mean, our daughter was catching most of them. She was, I think, three or four at the time, and I think we ate maybe five. I mean, it's they're not very big, so yeah, you could probably eat quite a few before you get filled up. So thanks, Luke. That was great talking to you. You have a lot of cool information. Um, we really appreciate you joining us today. So thanks again. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. Anytime I can come on and talk about blackfish is a good day. <laughs> so that's your fish of the week, the Alaska blackfish. We'd love it if you could get out there and enjoy all the fish. Do not take this uniquely Alaskan species for granted. Go out and get them while you can. <laughs> yeah, just just a really cool, unique fish. Thanks for listening to Fish of the Week. My name is Katrina Liebich, and my co-host is Guy Iro. This show is produced by David Hoffman of Citizen Race Car, assisted by Garrett Tiedemann and Kelsey Kors. Fish of the Week is a production of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Alaska Region, Office of External Affairs. As the service reflects on 150 years of fisheries conservation, we honor, thank, and celebrate the whole community, individuals, tribes, the state of Alaska, our sister agencies, fish enthusiasts, scientists, and others who have elevated our understanding and love as people and professionals of all the fish.